All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at chapter 19, verse 30, and go all the way through chapter 20, verse 16. Um, I don't know why they put the division between 30 and verse 1 and 20. I would have started chapter 20 right at verse 30 if, if it were me, but it wasn't my choice when they did that. All right, so Matthew, 20, or Matthew 19, verse 30, through Matthew 20, verse 16. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed, agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Thus sends our reading of God's authoritative word. May all who hear it receive a full day's wage from the master of the vineyard. In the Old Testament, there are many verses that speak about God's justice. They, they, they say that the Lord will not let the wicked go unpunished. And yet, in that same Old Testament, we find plenty more verses concerning God's mercy. They, they, they say things like, He will forgive iniquity and give grace to the humble. Apparently, there are some times where the guilty do go unpunished. And then there are some verses where we see these two competing ideas right next to each other. For example, look at, look at number 14, verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Now how can this be? How, how can God forgive and yet at the same time, not let the, the guilty, not leave the guilty unpunished. 
Isn't this a contradiction? Before Christ came on the scene, before before his substitutionary atoning work upon the cross, before he died for the sins of the world, God's justice and his mercy were a mystery. How, How he could be both things simultaneously was illogical. But... It was at the cross where where the justice of God and his forgiveness, they they merged together as Jesus bled and died, paying for the sins of the world. And it is in our parable for today where we see these two characteristics of God's justice and his mercy demonstrated in this master of the vineyard. But before we get there, let's, let's... do a little review, and it's very important that we review today because this parable is coming off two stories that are very, very related to the parable. If you recall from last week, we, we looked at two accounts of people coming to Jesus. There were the, the little children whom, whom we discovered were really infants. They, they were being brought to Jesus in order to receive a blessing from him. And then there was the rich young man who was looking to earn for himself eternal life. And of the children, Jesus said this, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. But of the rich young man, he said this, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, why would Jesus say these things? What is the difference between these little children and that that rich young man? If you remember, it had to do with the faith of each one. With the little children, we saw the lowest in the world's economy. Those who offered the least value. They came to Jesus with nothing to offer except a humble trust that he would bless them. But with a rich young man, we saw a person who held great value. Great value in the economy of that day. He was wealthy. He he claimed to have upheld the commandments of the Lord. And while he was youthful, he was not useless. But the economy of the kingdom has a different set of values than the economy of our world. You see, in the, in the world's way of thinking, the, we put a good deal of our, of our trust in our own efforts. We want to earn everything for ourselves. And we tend to carry this same mentality over into all aspects of life. And this is exactly what that rich young man did. He, he wanted to earn for himself eternal life. He he was convinced that he could achieve it. And so Christ gave him that challenging task that that, that really struck at his true idol, that struck at his wealth. He he told him to go and sell his possessions, give it all to the poor, and then then come and follow him. But this man, he, he could not do it. And so what did he do? He walked away sorrowful. But the kingdom of Heaven doesn't work that way. You see, you can't earn your way in. Rather, salvation comes by the grace of God alone. 
Man cannot save himself. God must be the one who saves. And all of this, these, these two tales, they, they lead into our passage for today where we, we find this parable that, that, is, that is bracketed by one of Christ's more famous of sayings. In verse 30 of chapter 19 and in verse 16 of chapter 20, we, we find Jesus repeating himself. Look, look at these two verses side by side. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now these verses will be the theme of Christ's parable. Uh, and it, they teach us what the economy of the kingdom actually looks like. So let's, let's look at this parable. Let's, let's learn from our king. Now, as I, as I read, to it, read through it the first time, we, we see this great tale of a, of a master who hires day laborers, uh, people to work in his vineyard. And he hires some early in the day and others later, later on in the day. Some work a little, some work a lot. But the strange thing about it is that, that he pays them all the same wage. Now, to some of us, this passage can be a hard pill to swallow. For, for it grates against our sense of what we consider fair, what we consider to be just. I mean, a worker is worth his wages that's biblical, isn't it? And when we put in the effort, shouldn't we reap the rewards as well? And if I work, work more than the next guy, shouldn't I get more money than him? But this goes beyond money, doesn't it? Aren't there times where we just want the recognition for what we have accomplished? We want our work to get noticed. Hey, everyone, look at what I did. And yet... All too often, we, we see people who, who practically do nothing reap the rewards. Maybe, maybe it's at work, and they're the boss's favorite. Perhaps they have some type of family connection that they use to their own advantage. You see them doing nothing all day long, and yet they're getting paid the same as you. Or even worse, maybe they're getting paid more than you. Perhaps they're even your boss. And yet here... Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven in a similar light. What on earth is going on here? In order for us to gain a better understanding, we need to look at the historical context of this passage. In order for us to see what Jesus is trying to communicate, we, we must know about a concept known as a patron-client relationship. So let's, let's look again at, at verses 1 and 2 and see what we can find out. Verse 1 says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Here we see this wealthy master who is, who is in need of workers to toil in his vineyard. And so he goes out in search of these day laborers. Now, a day laborer was, was a man who would go regularly into the marketplace and search for employment. He was typically a poor, poor man who had no consistent income. And to get chosen for work was really a, a blessing in his life for that day. 
for, for he would have earned enough money to provide for himself and for his family. Now in our story, we see that these day laborers had agreed to work for one denarius, which is one day's wage. That's fair, right? It's reasonable. No one party's taken advantage of the other. Rather, it is a perfectly just situation. Well, let's read further and see what else happens. Look at verses 3 through 7. About the third hour, he, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, he answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. For whatever reason, this master keeps going out to this marketplace at different hours of the day. And what does he find? Day laborers sitting idly by. They, they cannot find work. And so this master, he, he employs them. He hires some at the third hour, others at the sixth hour, still others at the ninth. And, and finally, there's this last group that he hires at the eleventh hour. Now back then, a, a normal workday spanned 12 hours. Workers would start around 6 a.m. and finish roughly around 6 p.m. And with this being the case, what we see here are, are five groups of people. Some who worked the full day. They were there for 12 hours. Others worked nine hours. Others worked six. Another group worked only three. And then there's this last group. They only worked one hour. Again, you have to remember that these were day laborers. These, these men were poor. They were needy. And they would pretty much take whatever they would, whatever was offered to them. You see, for this master to, to give them work was a blessing not only to them, but to their family as well. In the, in the ancient world, there, there's this concept of a patron-client relationship. And it was a common practice. And our story describes this type of relationship. Now, a, a patron was usually a, a wealthy and, and powerful person who would take on clients, helping them with their needs. Typically, this would include providing them with food to eat and, and money to help them out. And when they would do this, they, they would typically give this person some type of work as well in order that these, these clients wouldn't feel the shame of being a beggar. And in return, it was common practice for these clients to, to sing the praises of their patron. They would go into the city and, and tell everyone about their patron's generosity. And as a result, the, the, the patron's name would gain recognition throughout the land, giving them a, a higher standing within that community. You see, this this type of praise was the real form of work that the clients could do in order to show their gratitude for their patron. We see the same thing practiced today, do we not? When a wealthy person gives a generous donation, say, to an orphanage or a school, perhaps a hospital, 
Often that gift will get memorialized in some way. Maybe their name gets put on a building or there's a big picture of them in the lobby, you know, at a, at a ribbon cutting ceremony with the big scissors, right? In some way, they're going to be honored. Their, their praises will be sung. In this parable of our Lord, this master of the vineyard is fulfilling the role of a patron. He is a patron to these workers, and they are his clients. He's showing his favor to these people. And he shows it by choosing them to work in his vineyard. And it's because of his mercy and his kindness that they will get paid that day. You see, these these men whom he finds at the 11th hour, they couldn't get anyone else to hire them. No one would be their patron. But this master shows them compassion by offering them work. Let's let's see what happens next. Look Look at verses 8 through 10. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. The workday was finished, and the time for the workers to receive their pay had come. And this was a common practice of the Jewish people. I mean, this is what we read about in our first scripture reading. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 24. Do not take advantage of a hired man who is poor and needy, whether he is a brother Israelite or an alien living in one of your towns. Pay him his wage each day before sunset. Because he is poor and is counting on it. Otherwise, he may cry to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty of sin. Our parable describes this exact situation. These day laborers, they were poor, poor men. And this master of the vineyard was an honest and upright man, making sure that his workers were paid before the sun set. But here is where we see Jesus add in this little twist to the story. For, for the master put the, put the workers who came last in the position of honor and paid them first. And not only that, but, but they received a full day's wage for only working a single hour. Well, you can imagine what the workers who came earlier thought when they saw this. They they had to be thinking to themselves, are we going to get paid more than a denarius? I mean, right? How many of you are excited about the stimulus? Right? How how, how long did you work for that stimulus? No hands are going up. No, No hours? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if you think about it, in, in, in our own minds, this seems fair. If they get paid a denarius, they worked one hour, I worked 12 hours, you know. Maybe not 12 denarius, that's, that's ridiculous. But maybe I'll get six, five, I don't know. Yet that doesn't happen. Everyone gets paid the same wage. 
Each one gets one denarius. Well, let's see how these people react to this. Look, look at verses 11 and 12. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Sure enough, they're grumbling. It's not fair. And from a worldly point of view, they had every right to be complaining. I mean, this is how we think, is it not? Labor unions have been formed in the name of fairness. Laws have been passed to prevent, from, prevent such things from happening. Favoritism can no longer be practiced or the government is going to crack down on you. This, this is the economy of our world. It is what we deem to be right. It is what we deem to be just. But is this true justice? Or is there something deeper going on in the hearts of these day laborers? The truth of the matter is that, is that these men who had been working all day long, they had broken the 10th commandment. Look with me at Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These workers who came first had, had earned the same as the workers who came last, and, and now they were coveting what their neighbor had been given. In fact, they were, they were also coveting the wealth of the master of the vineyard. Dear friends, this is the way our minds work, is it not? We, we see the things that other people have and we desire them for ourselves. We can't stand it when, when others have what we want, and so we covet. Think about your own life. How, how often do you find yourself saying things like, that's not fair? How, how often do you think these words? Why him? Why her? Or why not me? We want everything in life to be fair, but it's not. We, we want justice, particularly when it, when it concerns writing the wrongs done to us. But life doesn't work that way. And so instead, we, we grumble. We complain. How often do you find yourself thinking this? God never blesses me. God doesn't care about me. This is what these workers were doing. They, they, they grumbled at this master who had showed them favor. We have borne the, the burden of the day and the, and, and the scorching heat. I mean, do you see what's going on here? Rather than being thankful and proclaiming the praises of a generous patron, they, they slandered him instead. They had become ungrateful clients. And what's more, they see themselves as, as worthier than the other workers. These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us. Brothers, sisters, this is pride. 
They were lifting themselves up by comparing their work to the work of others. And if you recall, this is, this is exactly what Peter did when he compared all that he had left behind to that rich young man. He, he asked his Lord, what then will there be for us? We have left everything behind. How often do you do the same thing? How, how often do you compare yourself to others? How often do you think of others as inferior to yourself? This is a dangerous, dangerous game that we play. One in which will lead to a proud heart and ultimately God's judgment. Well, let's, let's see how this patron responds. Look at, look at verses 13 through 15. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Dear friends, God is just. In fact, the only one in this story who receives any type of injustice is this owner of the vineyard when he is slandered by his workers. And notice what the master calls one of them. He calls him friend. Now, in the Greek, there are two distinct words that are interpreted as friend in the English. First, there is the word philos, which Jesus often used throughout the Gospels. And philos carries pretty much the same meaning that we would use today, such, such as a companion or a, a dear friend. It is someone who is close to us in an intimate way. But the word used in this parable is not philos, but hetairos. And the meaning of hetairos is, is quite, quite different. It is someone who, who seems to be a friend, but in reality is an imposter for self-gain. And, and, and their duplicitous nature becomes evident when things go awry. Now, this word hetairos is only used three times in the New Testament. And all three times are in the Gospel of Matthew. We see it first in our parable for today. And then we see it again in, in the parable of the wedding feast, which will be coming up uh, in a few chapters. And, and there, there's this man who entered the king's banquet without wearing a wedding garment. The king refers to this man as a friend or hetairos. And then right after that, he has him tied up, cast out, and tossed into the darkness. Now, I don't know about you, but in my book, that's not how you treat someone who is truly a friend. But then the last place we see this word used is in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when Judas greets Jesus with a kiss as an act of betrayal. Jesus calls him friend, or hetairos. So, so when we see Jesus using this word, it, it is spoken in irony. He, he says friend, but he means betrayer. These workers who, who were in this field, who were getting paid one denarius, yet they worked all day long. They, they posed as friends to this master when he had something to provide for them. 
And yet they showed their true colors, their, their duplicitous nature, when they felt that they were not being treated fairly. But the master is just. He, he paid them exactly what they had agreed to work for. There is no injustice on his part. And this is why we see the, him finally ending his conversation with this little saying. Or is your eye bad because I am good? This could be also translated, or is your eye envious because I am generous? These workers had experienced the grace of this master when he had given them work. And then they had also seen the mercy that this, that this master had given to the latecomers as well. So they both saw and experienced the kindness of this master, and they couldn't stand it. Now remember the setup to the story. The, the, the little children who were brought to Jesus with nothing to offer, but were only looking for that blessing. And that rich young man who, who seemingly had everything to offer, wanting to earn for himself eternal life. And with these two groups, we, we see the dichotomy between the economy of the world and the economy of the kingdom. The, the, the one is religion based on works and the other, grace. And this is exactly what we see in our parable as well. These, these workers who came early wanted to earn their wages. They couldn't stand the notion of grace. But the workers who came late were in desperate, desperate need. For they had no one else who would hire them. And they had very little to offer since there was only an hour left of work that they could provide. They had to rely on the mercy of this master of the vineyard in order to survive. And so we see justice and we see mercy as the economy of God's kingdom. To those who are relying on their works to save them, God will be just. He will give to them exactly what they have earned. And because of their sins, their reward will be an eternal punishment in the lake of fire. But for those who know that they cannot make it on their own, but that they are in need of a patron, a patron who will look out for them, they will find that patron in King Jesus. Christ will show to them both his mercy and his grace. He will give them a, a full day's wage for their little work. And he can do this because he himself has already done the work for us. Jesus lived a life in perfect obedience to the law. He then died for our sins as he went to the cross. He took upon himself our punishment. And then he rose from the dead three days later, bringing victory to all who are looking for that mercy. Listen, God doesn't need your good works. You need his. This is the economy of the kingdom. You are a beggar. You are a client in need of a patron. And Christ, this, this king, this, this kindest of patrons, has chosen you to be his client. He went down to that marketplace and invited you to, to enter into his vineyard where the wages are good and the benefit is eternal life. He then gives you dignity by giving you work in his kingdom. 
I mean, how much better can it get? Look to this Jesus. Look to this King. He is a patron who is worthy of your praise. Stop trying to earn eternal life, but trust in the one who can give it to you. For he will come to you even at the 11th hour. And so the saying is true. The last will be first, and the first will be last. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for your mercy. And we are thankful that in you we are, we are not judged by our works. We truly are beggars in need of a, of a kind patron. We are in need of your son. Guide us as we look to the cross where we find entrance into your vineyard where we receive a a full day's wage based on the work of Christ. He gives to us his Holy Spirit who provides us with dignity and honor. May we be grateful, grateful clients singing your praises to everyone we see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.